0: Hey listeners, you're tuning in to a podcast about kids in the hall that easily veers off into mature subject matter and includes a whole heck of a lot of swearing. Enjoy the show, eh?
1: Welcome! Tip and Tell, the podcast for 20 and 30-somethings who can't stop themselves from reliving a Canadian TV show they loved as tweens. We'll be reviewing every episode of The Kids in the Hall with mad bants and unassailable arguments like 30 Helens are the best, Discuss and <laughs> mayonnaise, is there anything it can't do? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Han Seidemann from Prince Rupert, Canada, and I'll be hosting today's episode, which will cover episode 19 of season one. I'm joined today, as ever, by Miss Kalina McCortoff-Duggleby Esquire in London, England. <laughs> Hello, Kalina.
0: I do declare.
1: Joining us from Vancouver, we also have His Royal Majesty, Mr. Stuart Cottick. Hi, Stu. Hello there. <laughs> and last but not least, we have Trevor Record, also coming to us from Vancouver. Hi, Trevor.
2: Living in Vancouver is a millennial purgatory. <laughs> How true. No, just mm, just for the nice. listeners, like we always write these for each other, so it really reflects what we think of each other, and Hans, living up in his fancy small
3: town, thinks slowly <laughs> of us in Vancouver. His,
0: his ivory tower,
3: <laughs> Where he has a million acres of land mm-hmm. and, like, 13 cows. You know, if it's
1: all you've ever known, you don't realize it's a prison. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Anyways... In today's episode, we'll be reviewing episode 19 from season one, which includes Hey Baby, a cold open where some catcalling men dial it down to a whimper. Shark Hunter Brothers, wherein Kevin and Mark double down on blackface and feel no remorse. (laughs) The Death of Rock, Bruce will never stop rocking, and Dave will never stop harshing his vibe with his shit-eating grins. Dave! Pick up artist with tarantulas in which some pet tarantulas try to intervene to stop a statutory rape and get squashed. (laughs) Girlfriends leave the country, where Dave and Kevin party like it's election night of 2016, but then have to clean it up like it's 2020. (laughs) (laughs) I want my foreskin back. A sketch for the intactivists among us. Scott joins the cause, arguing against male genital mutilation. (laughs) (laughs) Life's a Pretty Sweet Fruit, a sketch about how Grace Bruce's life is, except it isn't. And finally, Monique, the pyromaniac, where a man-child Dave Boss can't bring himself to fire the prostitute from Hotel La Rue driven to pyromania (gasps) by her former flame, the French artist Dave. Yes, this is... Proof. Oh, is unified, it canon?
0: Unified theory too. Oh. Uh, yeah,
1: there's. I'm betting on there being a long-term Hotel LaRue unified theory as well. Um, <laughs> speaking of which, I went looking through Hotel La Rue sketches last night to see if I could find out the name of the artist for that little bit I just said, and re-watching all of those segments again somehow made me love that sketch. <laughs> so maybe they just didn't repeat it enough.
3: Oh mayonnaise, boy! Talk about not being aware of living in a prison, Hans. <laughs> You're probably right.
1: (laughs) All right. Well, moving into our first segment, which I titled Slacktivists. Um, So this episode had a couple of sketches that left me a little bit uncomfortable. We have Mark and Kevin getting into blackface for shark hunter brothers sketch. And we have Scott attempting to seduce a 15 year old girl, Mark and pickup artists with tarantulas. And both of those deserve some consideration on those aspects and could definitely merit a, this made me feel weird uh, bit for this episode, but As we approach the end of the first season, I feel like we've earned a bit of a break from discussing how problematic (laughs) the kids are 30 years after the fact, so instead, (laughs) I'd like to talk about the tarantulas and the kids' kind of general bend towards fighting the powerful. Um, Over the course of this first season, we've seen so many sketches where the kids punch up to poke fun, uh, but with their tongues firmly, firmly in their cheeks. And Mm -hmm. this one kind of seems like a really clear example of this technique at work, where they're criticizing an exploitative fuckboy artist, but sort of hiding behind the gag of the tarantulas fighting for this justice. Um, Throughout the season, it's felt as if a lot of their appropriate targeting of jokes has been couched behind these sort of schlocky devices. And I wonder, do you think this is them trying to downplay the severity of their kind of for the time more radical leanings? Or was this always just about the jokes and I'm reading way too much into it? Stu, why don't you start us off?
3: All right. Well, first of all, I don't think you've given enough weight to the fact that they put a disgusting soul patch on Scott Thompson's (laughs) artist character. Because that says everything that you need to know about this to me. Um, I think the other thing is it's difficult to divorce this, the kind of statements from the period it was in, in which was like, that was valuable comedy at the time and to me it's so clear that it's like ah yes he's not our hero he is a gross gross man with a girl who is obviously in a high school uniform Mm,
1: yes
3: (laughs) um and like he's so gross he like has a bunch of spiders and pretends to be psychic and then we are given narration into the spider's mind for some reason to show that not only is he absolutely lying (laughs) (laughs) like the the send-up is so thorough and intense that i i think it is this, this statement seems very clear to me that it is, it is at its heart, progressive, even mm. in the context of a non-progressive, uh, mm-hmm. tongue-in-cheek kind of, um, what's the word? Uh, delivery? Delivery, but like, um, irreverent. Like, they have a real mm. r- irreverent tone, even mm-hmm. when they are being progressive, but I think they are unwaveringly progressive. The line of like, you know, your sketch reminds me of some Japanese erotica that we should go look at. <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> They never give him even a glimmer of artistic integrity. They're definitely taking him down
2: while trying to make him be a cool guy for the era, too, but one thing that I was kind of trying to struggle with, because I was five when this sketch was out, like, four or five, was it just Mm. a lot more acceptable to openly lust after teenage
3: girls back then? Because I... I (laughs) You know, I was thinking about this, and one of the things that kind of was distressing with the time we grew up in, that, like, uh, media projections of heteronormity were really gross for dudes in a lot of ways. Because mm. there was a lot of this where they were like, well, of course you're going to lust after teenage girls. They're girls, and they got <laughs> boobs. You've seen movies. <laughs> like, it was that was much more prevalent, and a lot of comedy kind of rode on that dynamic, and it was kind of gross and weird.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, you do also have, like, I mean, from a later period, too, but, like, the, the character from... Um... Fast Times at Ridgemont High, right, who's like, that's the thing about high school girls. Is I get older and they stay the same age. Oh, the Matthew- that's Days and Confused, Our days Dazed Confused, It's like, Matt. confused. Confused, Matthew McConaughey, but- bitch. It is Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> and it's like, it's obvious that he's like painted as a creep in that, but it's also kind of like, haha, isn't it's that still,
2: funny? You know, like that movie also did come out in 1993, which was just a couple
3: years after this episode, oh, too. Okay. So mm-hmm. like, yeah. actually, they're very contemporary, yeah. Mm. But I think that, that the kids in the hall episode is much more clear because like they get scott thompson to play it which is like that that feels almost like more of an indictment to me mm-hmm. of this kind of gross predatory normative behavior you know he has like both long greasy hair and a ponytail and dreadlocks somehow
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's true he is he is objectively awful but uh, speaking of uh of uh, awful men talking over women. Kalina, what do you think? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, it's funny. Cause like, I didn't really watch this and think it was that problematic. So I feel like maybe I just wasn't either paying attention or, <laughs> you know, I was more again, focused on the soul patch and how stupid it is to use tarantulas <laughs> as a comedic device. Um, <laughs> But it's uh, it's funny because I, I feel like I often stop short of calling any sort of kids in the hall work satire because it doesn't really fit into that space. But so much of their work has real political undertones. And, you know, more broadly, as, as we pointed out, they have such an anti-capitalist streak. And, you know, even the Buddy Cole sketches standing alone are, are so cutting edge culturally that it also ventures... Mm-hmm. to the political even if they you know didn't really intend to do so and so they you know i do think they appear to show their cards at, at least as left-leaning kids that probably pushed up too often against conservative backwards backwards canadianness um though you know sort of to go back to i know you said you didn't want to talk about the pro- uh, problematic aspects of uh, the island boys sketch but <laughs> a but a um Mark wasn't actually doing blackface there. Um, was, hmm. That was wasn't Kevin. He? He, wasn't I, he? There was certain <laughs> angles where I mean, it looked I mean like he, he was. was wearing. He was wearing a sarong.
1: <laughs> True. And he had like the black wi- the black curly haired wig, but, and he yeah. kind of
3: spoke with the accent that.
0: Okay, uh, okay. What? Were
3: they supposed so, to be Polynesian, so, so. or where were they supposed to be? <laughs> I think it was supposed to be nebulous Polynesian.
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 Also, but like my 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 very offbeat point here is that didn't anyone think that kevin's island boy character was just a ripoff of bruce's cabbage head
3: okay (laughs) so one of the reasons i was able to get through that sketch is i read that as like less of uh you know this really particular cultural send-up that might be kind of weird and punching down and more of just like imagine if one of your friend's dads went to go live on an island and like i just read (laughs) it as like this really gross Boomer hanging out and being like, Yeah, I pretty much get the culture. I can surf and shit. Ch- well, I'll learn to surf. Like it was just
1: <laughs> I did I mean he did have a one great line in there, which is like, yeah, I might be I might be a local, but I feel like a tourist or something yeah. like that. And I was just like, Oh god, you're the worst. Well, um yeah, I guess I no clear consensus on the uh, the major point of conversation here, but that's the <laughs> for us, is it gang? <laughs> Um, so moving right along then I figured I'd go into our next segment which I titled Girls in the Hall um Which was another thing I noticed in this episode was the number of actual women with speaking lines even (laughs) uh, in this episode. We have uh, in the Girlfriends Leave the Country sketch, it could just as easily have been Dave and Kevin as the boyfriends with two of the other kids as girlfriends. Um, And that wouldn't have been the first time they did something like that. The Cold Open sketch also could have just had, you know, Dave, Mark, and Bruce howling and Scott and Kevin acting as the unimpressed women. So what do you guys think factored into the kids' decision to play those female roles or not was it purely a staging consideration or do you think the kids were only comfortable playing specific kind of archetypes or stereotypes of women that they sort of felt like they understood kalina what do you think
0: yeah I, I mean I I, I think he's almost struck the nail on, on the on the head there when you say sort of are like stereotypes of women that they understood or could like easily make fun of and um yeah, I mean, yeah, they, they use so few women in their episodes. They obviously have a good ratio in thirty Helen's, but that doesn't count.
1: Helen's <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know, coming to the rescue as
0: always. And uh, I, I wonder if they if they tend to use women, like real women, uh, in in moments where they want to emphasize what dirtbags their male characters are being, um, and also you know, as, as you mentioned, like when they aren't the center of the episode. Um, But, you know, I'd really actually like to find out who these women are. I tried to do a bit of research beforehand and I couldn't, I couldn't quite dig it up. And I, you know, I do want to keep an eye out to see whether they use the same actresses throughout the series.
1: Mm. I feel like I have seen some of those women, maybe not in this episode and previous episodes, but I feel like in other episodes I have seen women like, oh, I'm pretty sure that's the same one from like, they, they definitely use the same one for Bob's Girlfriend. That one? Yes. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. Laura, Laura is consistent. Oh, shit. Sure.
3: What was her name? Terry? Laura. Tracy? Laura. 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 <laughs> Laura. <laughs> Don't start...
1: Trevor, what do you think?
2: Uh, you know, I wonder if they almost had like an internal rule where egotistically they would only al- allow a woman to play a woman on their show if they weren't a character that was saying funny things. And if, if they were a character saying funny things, then one of the kids would demand that they take the role. That's sort of how mm. I kind of think they operated. That's my assumption anyhow. Um, just they're a, a bunch of vain comedy boys that didn't want to share the laugh lines with any ladies. Ha! <laughs> 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 do you guys
0: remember i know that we've all sort of collectively watched a few documentaries online about sort of kids in the hall in general and did did we read somewhere that at one point they did have a woman in the troupe, like when they were doing stage stage comedy
3: uh, i think I she was briefly with them when they were yeah. performing in toronto but i don't think she made it with them to new york
0: yeah we should dig into this we'll report back listen i
3: i was reading a book
2: called this is a book about kids in the hall recently i think that maybe they did but i can't remember yeah um, i think
1: uh you know if uh if i were really embracing my true millennial self we'd just pause the podcast for a moment so i could do some googling but i think we'll have to come back to
3: that Yeah, but you know? it'll, it'll take you half an hour to get your mic working again
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i i think i'm kind of with uh I think I, I believe the premise that I set up earlier in the segment, which is that it, it oh, seems do you? to me like they only, I do. Well, just only, <laughs> the, uh, it, it really does feel to me like they only play women that they, they know the type for. So they do like the, the, the wife or the secretary or the, um, you know, actually that's really the two main women the, that they do isn't the, it right? the
3: sexy pyromaniac
1: come on yeah well or or the prostitute maybe yeah but they uh, don't the seem naive to, don't t- seem teenage like...
2: girl that's being seduced by a, a sicko, too
1: that's also true that's yeah. also true yeah it just seems to me they only they only play women when there's like a a gag to be had in that role like just in their playing of it in some yeah. sense. So like when you have when you have, you know, women in these scenes, you know, where they're just like we're just nice normal girlfriends or we're just women trying to enjoy a drink at a bar while people catcall us like they for whatever reason they seem to to just yeah, leave those unfunny bits. So it's maybe a combination of what Kalina and
3: uh and Stu were both saying there, but uh, I haven't said anything yet. But uh, two things. About <laughs> I just <that> described <laughs> good things to you, Stu. I guess. Yeah, well, that was a mistake. So <laughs> I think I have like a little inkling, and then I have what I think is the real answer. And I think the little inkling mm-hmm. is like maybe they would think it's distracting to have the kids in drag as sort of background characters because you're kind of like I, I would imagine it would make the audience's eye kind of like look to them and maybe expect a mm-hmm. joke where it isn't there and maybe they found it a little distracting i think what actually happened was it's the end of the season and they were like oh we have 300 dollars. we'll buy some pizza and get some women off the street to be in our show
1: <laughs> i actually thought the same thing too because yeah i've noticed it that there's been more women showing up in these later episodes too. and i'm
3: just kind of like i imagine they were like oh we didn't actually lauren left a little bit of change on the table after he took us out <laughs> for lunch i guess we'll hire two of the canadian actresses <laughs> but i mean
0: i, I do, do do you think that there was any issue about diversity in the troupe? Think that was a question at any point?
3: No, no. <laughs> oh.
0: Okay, well, I mean, on on that. Kalina, point...
3: <laughs> they had a gay man. They were like, we're set for thirty years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: fair enough. Well, uh, I mean, and if
1: it was, if it was, then they would have given those women like actual funny roles. And but see, I, thought, and I found I like found it
0: that. more distracting to have people who weren't in the troop in the scenes.
1: I'm with you. I'm mm. with you. I kind of wish they would just stick to a bit and commit to it. But. The only person
0: they can bring in is Paul Bellini. <laughs>
1: <True>. <laughs> or they could bring in a Helen maybe with, for, some, for some more speaking roles. But
0: We can only hope.
1: Hey, listeners. Like what you hear? Think Stu and Trevor are wrong about the Helens and want to give them a piece of your mind? Well, we want to hear from you. Email us at contact at kithandtell.ca and let us know what you think of the show. And if you flatter us, we'll have you on the show someday. Also, make sure to follow us on social media. You'll get notified as soon as a new episode is up with the freshest, most handcrafted gifts pulled from the most gifable moments of each episode. You can find us at twitter.com slash kithandtellpod or on Facebook at facebook.com slash kithandtell. Give us a follow or a like, and be sure to share with all your fellow nerd friends. All right, moving right along, I figured we'd uh, jump in with our next segment to Kids Say the fucking darndest things. (laughs) Um, It's that time of the episode where we all do our best impressions, which are generally not very good, except for Trevor's Bruce, uh, (laughs) of our favorite lines from the episode. Um, My favorite, I think, comes from The Death of Rock, where Dave just very matter-of-factly says tests show that a beach boys <laughs> concert is a very sad thing <laughs> it, is. It's true. It, is. it is it's true it really is just true
2: <laughs> my death of rock i think was probably the best and they have an exchange and i'm gonna ask someone to play dave for me and i'll do the bruce so that we can keep me doing bruce's here
3: all right i'll do, okay. I'll do the dave okay look Let, let's see if i can't put this into terms you'll understand say you have 12 beer oh okay all right <laughs> Alright, now let's say four of those beer r- represent the Pogues, and another six represent the Gypsy Kings, and one beer is shared by the Chieftains and Lady Slith Black Mombazo. Hold it, that only leaves one beer. I'll never get drunk on one beer. Exactly, Bob. But learn to nurse that one beer and before you know it, you'll be loving jazz. Jazz never.
0: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, such a good
3: exchange. I I do love I love yeah, I love that skit. I think it's so good. You had my uh the Beach Boys concert is such a good line. I like Mr. Gorbachev's first line in that, where it had like the before that it's Bobby's whole monologue about what a fucking rock and roll badass he is. And then it cuts to Dave Foley and it's like, well, actually, Bobby, rock and roll has been on the decline since 1974, the year of the first Bad Company release. And <laughs> I it's just had like, the a- <laughs> I own that album. Like, I'm sure you do, Bob. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> of course you do, Bob. And like, I, I, I think that Dave really has been shining in the last few episodes because, like, he feels like he kind of leans into his channel of like straight-faced, uncrackable shtick. Yeah, smarty. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And Wait,
0: I. I, I, heard you have a, I heard you have a Beach Boys concert. Yes, story. and I,
3: I want to go on a on a side note because the Beach Boys the Beach Boys concert is a very sad thing. Made me laugh super hard because one of my friends has a Beach Boys story in which his dad went to a Beach Boys concert in Saskatchewan in the 70s when Brian Wilson was having his Brian Wilson times. And Mm. they were right in the front and spent their time heckling the Beach Boys by yelling, Where's (laughs) Brian? (laughs) Where's Brian? And it got so intense that apparently other members of the band had to lean into the mic and be like, Brian couldn't make it tonight. He's He's in California They took the bait Recovering Yes And I think about that Every time I think about Hecklers at a
0: concert (laughs) It sets the bar high It sets the bar high
3: Oh
1: That is such a very sad thing.
3: It's so so sad. It makes me laugh every time.
2: In general, I dislike hecklers, but I do like when a heckler does get to a very famous, like, kind of bad person, you know? Yes. In 1970s, Beach Boys were kind of bad.
3: (laughs) True. Just telling it as it is, man. Kalina, what's your favorite?
0: So despite your guys' enthusiasm, I don't actually think this was a quote-friendly episode. There just, like, really weren't that many quotable zingers out there. But for some reason, this one from the Life is a Sweet Fruit sketch really tickled me where Bruce is talking about his car and saying, So, what do you think I paid for her? I'll tell you. 300 bucks. Thirty easy payments, couldn't even feel them. It was like a soft breeze blowing through my bank account. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, then, and then the car screeches to all. these, like, I lied. It hurt a lot. Hurt a lot. Yeah.
1: He said, he said those thirty, those thirty six bucks a month nearly killed me. <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> it was awesome.
1: Uh, I, I I really did not like that sketch, but I I did like that that one line so. Good catch there, Kalina.
0: Thanks.
2: That sketch may have been too much, Bruce. It was a very Brucey sketch.
0: Really, oh, I, thought, I, I thought it kind of sounded. I loved it. But...
2: I do really like the part where he starts just
1: losing his hair. Like,
0: <laughs> <laughs> what a day to go bald!
1: Um that was actually that was a good moment. All right, well, moving on to our last segment of the episode here, our standout sketches. So, before we go, let's choose our standout sketch and maybe even the worst sketch of the episode with a rating of 0 out of 12 beer. What's say <laughs> you, to?
3: You know, I actually kind of liked the closing sketch the inept uh, Dave Foley boss, Pyromania. Yes. I. There was something about the, like, well, so what if she has been lighting fires? Everyone likes a fire and it's Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Again, like, Dave is just bit, gets more and more in his element and just destroys mm. it. Um, so I think that one really warms my heart and I will give it. Is it the s- fire? <laughs> <I will laughs> I'll give it eight lukewarm, shaken up beers in the back of a 70s cutlass out of 12. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So again, I mean again it's not it's really not the strongest episode, but I am gonna obviously side with Stu and say Monique the Pyromaniac takes it for me. Yes. Again, like mostly because A, Scott is so good as a corporate suit. Mark mm. makes such a fantastic manic French woman, and obviously seeing Dave play the weasel is just amazing so uh yeah three out of four office fires from me
3: <laughs> <laughs> we didn't talk about how great a straight man scott is and I really <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah he's we so about good in he in was that good that yeah sketch.
2: uh you know I think I'm going to give this to Tarantulas, which I thought was a pretty good what? takedown of just the slimy dude. Uh, I, I kind of like Tarantulas. You know, he was just such a detestable guy. It was kind of funny. So I'm yeah. going to give it uh, 3.7 beers, almost as much as the Pogues. Is that, is that
1: out of 12 beers, though? <laughs> I feel like I need to scale
3: it's, that one. We're not adjusting for inflation. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, though, I do side note. As we continue on with all of our unified theories, I'd like to really track the timeline of Mark's schoolgirl braces clad uh, character because and just to see like who she continues to crush on. How do her crushes progress?
3: (laughs) She she also likes guys in jail. Yeah, no, she gets her heart broken time and time again and then she becomes that uh, terrible ballet teacher.
0: Oh yes Yes I love it
3: She hardens her heart
1: Or the chicken lady Oh Um, Oh my god So uh Along with most of you, thing guys, I I think I give it to the Monique sketch for no other reason than just how perfect the fire extinguisher on her barely lit piece of paper was towards the very end. Um, <laughs> Scott just had such perfect comedic timing, and and you're right, Kleena. Scott as the straight man, and just and that interplay between him and man-child Dave was just so. So beautiful, um, <laughs> and you guys didn't uh, didn't take the bait. But I'm gonna give a worse sketch to uh, "Life's a Pretty Sweet Fruit," which is
0: never oh, no. really.
1: Life's a pretty really, sweet fruit. You,
0: you think Come that on, was it's... worse than Island Boys? You think yeah, that was worse than be.
1: Foreskin?
3: Yeah. Foreskin was the
0: Oh my god, one Foreskin
3: was-
1: Oh, Foreskin was so good. Oh, no, I it wasn't. Hans. He was just talked about Foreskin. Hans, Hans, he Hans. He raises
0: a good point. He had
1: such a good line <laughs> in there where he starts to cry and he said- because he, he mentions that you lose like 70% of your- of the sensitivity in your penis and then he starts <laughs> to cry and just exclaims, the mind boggles. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hans, so you so can no, do it. your public healing somewhere else. I, 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 I can get us on track for a more positive out thing. How great was the pieces of props in the last skit c- catching on fire? They all oh, that were so must have mm-hmm. been soaked in lighter fluid, and I love that.
1: Yeah. It was pretty delightful. Alright, well that's it for our season one episode 19 review. Join us next week for our final episode review of the season where we'll be reviewing episode 20 which will be hosted by Trevor.
3: Woo! Woo! Bye
1: everybody!
3: Goodbye! Bye Dr. Hans! Bye.